Computer, initialize Holosuite. Hey guys, what's up? And welcome to a special broadcast of the Fire Caves. This is kind of a behind-the-scenes extra scenario here that we uh, we just finished recording um, Necessary Evil, and we realized that we love the episode and you all so much that we had to just keep it going yeah. just a little bit longer. So bear with us. Yeah, um, so uh, you and I were just talking. We literally got done talking, and you were like, oh man, you forgot to mention Columbo, the show Columbo. So tell yes. me what you were thinking about that. Yes. So I uh, realized that I did not talk about the fact that during the scene where Odo goes back, this is the second time that he is questioning the uh, widow, uh, Vatric Pelora, I believe was her name. Uh, the Vatric Widow, we're just going to call her that. He goes there and he does a, he pulls a classic Columbo. He asks her a series of questions and she's just like, oh, I don't appreciate you checking into my personal affairs so closely. And he's like, oh, I, just a routine investigation, ma'am. I got to ask the questions. That is a direct callback to Columbo. The, I believe that show was 1968. in 1968. 1968 was when it started from okay. looking at right here. Yeah. Yeah. So that show um, was our, our famous kind of bumbling detective, and that was always his way of kind of intimating that he knew a little bit more than what the suspect he was interviewing yeah. realized. And then the most famous thing that Columbo used to do was he would seemingly wrap up the investigation, go to leave, get to the door and stop and say, oh, there is just one yeah. more thing. And Odo does that perfectly here right. in this scene as well. Just before he leaves, the door is even open for him and he stops and he says, oh, uh, just one more thing and turns back around to ask her a series of questions about her money and her finances yeah. some more. So um, these are direct call outs to Columbo and I'm again trying to remember who, but I believe, I'm going to say it was uh, the writer because it would make more sense right? if it was the writer. But I believe it was the head writer for this particular episode had worked on Columbo way back right. in the day, and this was kind of his wink and nod to. Uh, that's great! Columbo wow, that's fantastic. Here. So, there's also yeah. another thing you told me about then, that. There's another Columbo thing he does, when he uh, he says, um, "Oh, I was just doing the investigation. Like, why are you ask?" Yeah, yeah. That, that was the just, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the first part. He's like, "Oh, she's like, why are you asking these questions?" Like, I just yeah. routine investigation, man. I gotta <laughs> ask the questions. Yeah, that was that was always one of the fun little bits of Columbo because it was to let the audience know that obviously he's not the the kind of right. goofy okay. guy yeah. that everybody's kind of thinking yeah. that he is. You know. Oh, just one more question. Yeah, so, but just yeah, just yeah. one more thing. Just yeah, one it more makes thing. sense. Yeah. Like. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's. I mean, I've never had, had to investigate anybody, but that's a perfect way to set someone up. Oh, I'm done. I don't get more questions. You can rest easy. Well, bam! Here's a hard question for you to suddenly have to answer. And um, yeah, she can't in this episode. She has. Oh, uh, nope, yeah. There's a there's can't. a gentleman whose name I don't want to get involved here. That um, he gave me some money. And I mean, one of the things about her whole plot. Uh, you know, in this episode, it's only 40 minutes long, so we don't have a full hour long, hour and a half long movie to deal with. Where she would have probably had a little bit more of a scheme going on to hide her tracks. Like her her plan kind of falls apart pretty quickly. But um, yeah, the idea that 
um, Odo is, is, I mean, really, it's so great. Odo is a great investigator. He is a great lawman, great detective. He, he, he just does the job so well and it fits into this uh, episode so nicely. Um, and the thing I was talking about before, or unless did you, did you have something to say? Or I did sure. have one other. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. About it. One other behind the scenes, one other behind the scenes thing that was actually filmed for this episode and they cut it as another level of complexity to the story, which definitely would have changed the, the whodunit right. of this was there was a whole scene that was filmed in which it, um, we see Odo is going back to, it's a, it's a part of the flashback. And he's on the station, and he's going to question the widow again shortly after the first time that right. he's questioned her. But as he's approaching her quarters to go and question her, um, right before he can get there, the doors to her quarters open, and, and Odo kind of like darts behind a wall and is hidden to see who's coming right. out of her quarters. And it's... Gold Ducat. Ah. And Ducat stops at the door and she meets him, you know, she's like saying goodbye to him at the door and she and they share a very intimate embrace and kiss. Oh. And this episode was or this episode, this scene was actually oh, cut. Wow. They filmed it and everything, but they cut it because there was a feeling that it made Ducat seem too soft. Mm. Um, but it's something that the the directors and the producers of the show, uh, uh, yeah, the directors and producers always felt like diminishes the episode right. a little bit because they felt like it would have added a level of complexity of who could have possibly had a reason yes. to murder yeah. the chemist and and making it making it making the yeah impossible I, I agree I think that yeah. cutting that that scene for that reason makes sense to me. Um, but does, does that, that scene appear in like DVD sets? Like it's cut into the episode? Apparently, apparently not. Apparently it's, it's, they knew they had filmed it and everything else, but like a lot of stuff from that time period, once it ended up on the cutting room floor, it was done. It was like done away with a lot of things were not, um, kept for like DVD releases or anything like that. Because at that time. That we really weren't aware of DVDs becoming right. a thing yet. This was still too early. So we can't so, see this um, scene like, then. It's, it's just being repeated. Yeah, We've you can't see it. that that was something filmed. Man. Well, well yeah, the, 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 the actors, the writers, the directors, everybody will tell you about right. the scene. But unfortunately, um, it does right. not exist, as far as I right. found anyway. Now, if somebody magically somewhere has it, I would love right. to see it. I would love to like watch this episode, figure out where it's right. supposed to be, and then like pause it, watch that, and then resume the episode just to add a new flavor yeah. to the episode. But uh, as far as I know, you can't. I have to say, I do way. think the episode that scene would have been a little bit well, especially if if Gold Ducat is coming out of her home and kissing her in public, where he could be seen. Like if it was pri- it was a private scene or in private. It was supposed to. Yeah, it was supposed to be that, you know, Odo was, he was doing the investigation. And Odo was going to, going to the wife to question her again. And the husband had just recently been murdered at this point because it was part of the flashback. And so Odo comes, he goes there and there's no one else around. But Odo arrives just the moment that Ducat is kind of ducking out of her quarters. And they share this brief, intimate embrace and then... He goes one direction, and Odo's right. kind of like, "Oh, so now here's another person who could potentially right. be a gotcha. suspect." And it was only supposed to be something that he just kind of happened to discover. No one else is supposed to know that she was actually having an affair 
with yeah. Gold Dukat. I was that's at least how I read it when I was when I read that little breakdown from Mark Alemo himself, the man who plays gotcha. Gold Dukat. Well, I, I guess it might explain then why Odo, like. You know, if Odo never quite solved the mystery, but that scene existed, then he could have, in his own mind at least, have a. He could have said, "Oh, I now know who did it." But the episode insinuates that Odo never solved the murder, and if he was suspecting yeah. Gold Ducat all this time, that would have not really worked in some ways. It would have um, undermined the whole like, "Oh, he doesn't know." But then it also would have. Um, yeah, I'm glad the scene doesn't show up in the episode because I think it would have thrown too many wrenches in. But I certainly believe the idea that Gold Ducat and the Widow were actually intimate. That's who she is. That's the type of woman yeah. she is. That's the type of man Gold Ducat is. Um, if they had maybe found a way to film it or insert it in a way that didn't throw too many wrenches in, um, I think it could have worked. Or at least it's it's an interesting idea. But uh, yeah, no, uh, Gold Ducat is the type of guy that yeah, hey. Uh, this is one of my collaborators, but uh, he has to share his wife with me in order to get all those benefits oh, yeah. I give him. Ugh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Goldicott is, I mean, that's one of the things about him that, you know, continuously pops up every time that you see him. You know, he is, he, he plays that kind of neutral yes. evil, I guess. He plays it so yeah. well from what we're seeing with him so far. And it's just like... I would say he's, he's kind of a lawful ah! evil in terms of the D&D <laughs> alignment, in terms of, like, he's a... Well, I mean, he's certainly... Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's lawful evil well, and neutral and evil that, uh, in that in the alignment sense. Yeah. Yes. And then one thing I also love is that, I mean, little, little spoiler foreshadowing for you, um, he gets worse. <laughs> and I love it. So... Yeah, he he definitely ranks up there for me as a as a great right. villain, but um, I don't feel like our true villain has revealed oh. themselves totally, ah, totally win. yet. So we'll get there. <laughs> gotcha. We'll get there. Gotcha. We'll get there. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, the other thing I was gonna say, uh, but when we decided to go ahead and just record our, our talking a little bit more, was that. I, yeah. I just absolutely love the way Odo opens this episode with his little um, personal log, the security personal log. Um, it's such a classic film noir thing to have the detective kind of narrate the opening. And he does so to some slow jazz, you know, a single trumpet calling out mournfully or a, a saxophone kind of just going a little bit. And just you got that smooth, jazzy kind of sound, and here's the rain pattern, and, and the detective is like, yeah, it was a real dark night, and I hadn't had much business in a few weeks when she walked in my front door and I knew I had a case. And Odo doesn't do that. He's like, I hate these damn bro- these personal logs. These are stupid. Um, how are things going? I got everything under control. And it it only works because it's a Star Trek staple that we have the the captain's log, the personal logs. And so for Odo to suddenly start doing one, it, it makes us ask, okay, why is he doing it? And then when it opens up as, as an episode that later will reveal itself as film noir, it fits perfectly in there. But Odo doesn't, he doesn't just fit the stereotype, which I think you were saying in the episode, you know, so many modern versions of film noir storytelling is just kind of rote. 
Yeah. It's very campy. It's yeah, it's it's so contrived now. Like so many different shows I don't know why they suddenly feel like there's this need to do it, but then to make it all very tongue in cheek, they don't take it seriously. I would love for more shows to yeah. do things like this and to take right. it seriously. Take the the genre that you're that you're talking about here. Right. Take it seriously and give me give me your show. But yes. in this style. And I don't need all the wink and the nod. And we're going to even use the the 40s right. language. And it's all very cheesy and hokey. This clearly demonstrates that the the fundamentals of right. that kind of story can be done literally yes. in anything. It, it does it well here. It shows that you can do it in right. anything. You don't need to suddenly do the overly overdone background right. music you don't need to film it in black and white because you can't right. film it in black yes. and white i don't need to hear you you know doing all the hokey language or everybody is suddenly smoking like crazy right. or any of those right things we yes. don't need that it's this is not a period right. piece we're talking about the elements the right. style yeah. of the story and i would love to see more of that and less of the the gimmicky yes fan service yeah. Yeah, um, that that hits on the nail. It's what film noir is. Isn't just those small little little things. It's it's this. It's the way the episode feels, and it captures that feel really nicely. And um, the uh, the director Jim Conway uh, is he's really credited for this episode in duet, as we talked about uh, as being some of the best yes. episodes. And I, I noticed it even in the camera work, like we got a lot more close-ups of the characters, like a lot more mm -hmm. close-up looks. Like I remember at the end of this episode when Quark is sitting there in the woman, the widow's house and they're talking and like, he stands up at one point and his eyes, like he has that look where his head is kind of down, but his eyes mm -hmm. are up and he looks devilish and it makes a perfect scene of yeah. like, yeah, this woman is kind of, Working the deal with the devil, right? Yeah, he, he's ex right. He's existing yes. in the shadow. You only are seeing the more prominent features of his yes. face, his eyes, the teeth when he's smiling, right. you know. But the rest of him is very is heavily right. shadowed, and and then here she is, the direct contrast to him, literally dressed right. in white. She's got the pearlescent light so on her good. and everything else the very yeah. soft lighting the the stark contrast and they're in and the fact that they're in the same frame yes yeah fantastic like they they did such a great job with that attention to detail and it it makes me wonder how much of this also influenced um ron moore who was one of the head writers mm -hmm. on the show um who later went on to do another favorite show of mine Battlestar right. Galactica, the the reimagined uh, 2004 right. series, um, because he did that as well in a lot of the filming. Like, there's a lot of personal yes. close-ups of the, the the main actors right. in the scenes. We we're not worried about CGI. We're not worried about stage setting right. so much. It's just these people in this scene, and that's all right. that's important. And you get you get so much from it, and because it's it's like you're forced to pay attention here to what they're saying, their overall right. mannerisms, like all of that is also yeah. telling the story. And you only can get that when the other trappings yes. drop away and, and they're not right. important anymore. And I feel like that is something that, again, Battlestar Galactica did very well. We actually see a lot of that also on The Expanse. Mm. Um, Avasarawa, <laughs> most of her scenes yeah. are this way. Um, most of her scenes are this way. Uh, you know, and we know those shows were influenced by yeah. Deep Space Nine. So it's nice to see this kind of 
continuity, but it's also kind of sad because it's like, why isn't anyone else doing this? <laughs> why are all the other shows full of all this really hokey, contrived nonsense? Yeah. And this goes even to you know, like some movies. It's it's less about story and more about fan service, but it's the wrong yeah. kind of fan service. And in shows my are a dime a dozen. Now, I know some days. people who really go in for that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are so many networks that have so many different shows, and it's, I mean, you can't watch them yeah. all anymore. Um, you know, uh, there was an episode of um, Family Guy that talked about it, really, was like how how the networks and all this, the need to always pump out content, regardless of whether or not it's good <laughs> or not, has basically turned the company, you know, water cooler talk into What's a the recent uh, show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, just a cacophonous hodgepodge of noise, yeah. okay. right, that you can't make any sense of. So I really like that joke yeah. that they made, but it's very true. So many different shows, and it's like, these are things you could do, though, that would help your show stand out. Pay attention to the story, get yourself great actors who can right. convey the story, and then really just kind of focus on them. Let the let the world building kind of sort itself yes. out, take care of itself, sure. But, yeah, yeah um, I... I... Work on yeah, your story. I, I, I didn't mention it as we were talking about the episode during our main recording is that this episode gave me what I wanted. I said from the beginning I want episodes that really focus hard on certain characters and they have to make hard decisions. Um, it's okay if other characters fall out of frame. Like we were just talking, you know, Dax and O'Brien aren't here. Again, I was more mad that Dax just never seems to get anything. I and mean, even in this episode, the only line she gets is like a little, you know, say, hey, here's a line for you to say. Um, I'm okay with like episodes focusing on certain characters. And then this is an episode that also gives us more world building. This episode really builds into the Bajoran Cardassian storytelling. And yeah, it just hit all those notes that I wanted it to hit. And so, yeah, I mean, we can keep talking about it even longer than we normally would talk about an episode because there was such great content here today. <laughs> and it just goes to show that, you know, once again, Star Trek was doing something right long before a lot of other uh, shows in general were. And then uh, obviously these shows kind of, you know, took their cue from here. And it's just always so weird to me, the, the I'm just going to say the lack of respect that I feel that Deep Space Nine yeah. gets <laughs> from, from not just from other TV shows, but also from other yeah. Star Trek shows. So, and I, to make my point here, again, I'm going to talk about, um, the new Trek shows that are out, Discovery right. and Picard, because they're the two newest ones doing episodes. There have been plenty of references to all of the right. other Trek shows, but I feel like Deep Space Nine is singularly lacking in right. representation. Now, I don't know why this is. There has been a lot of speculation. If you're online, especially if you're on Twitter or Reddit at all, there is a lot of speculation as to why everything from you know, people who didn't get along with other people to other people just not being available for stuff to even, you know, the the, the talk of racism being an issue here and why certain characters aren't featured mm -hmm. or anything like that. Um, there, I think there's enough proof for all of those okay. to be true. There's, there's, there's enough of that. So I don't think there's any one singular thing, but I think there's enough proof of each individual one that that could be right. enough. But um, it's it's gotten to the point where now it's glaringly obvious that they are tiptoeing around this show. <laughs> and either either they're setting it up as like there's going to be a moment where there is going to be a whole lot of, of stuff for Deep Space Nine 
showing Deep Space Nine some love, or it's just always going to be that big thing out there as to why it, yeah. why it never happened. Um, wormhole turned into a black now, hole for Picard, Deep Space Nine. <laughs> right. Now, Picard just recently in Season 2, it does make a mention of, of Cisco. It calls him, because mild spoiler. Wait on me. Um, it calls him General. It, it, they call him okay. General Cisco because there's kind of like an altered timeline thing. So he's he's General Cisco in the okay. altered timeline. But other than that, nothing. No mm. reference. No. And he to, didn't even to appear. Any other it was character. just a reference no. to his character. Yeah. And he yeah he he does not appear. They just say right. General Cisco. But other than that, nothing. But but that's it. No Kira. No Dax. No no nothing. Oh there oh there wasn't a, a mention of O'Brien. But it's his name appears on this list that you. They like fast forward through, and you only know it because have fans and, have yeah. yeah paused and enhanced, and we see his name. That's the only right. way you would know. It's not they don't say it out loud. They don't read it off anything. They never mention Bajor, D Space Nine, Tarek Norton. Well, and nothing. even O'Brien was nothing. still a, a, a significant, noticeable character on TNG. So even that reference to him is yeah. a little, little flat <laughs> if they don't do much with them. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know uh, Discovery is is kind of the same. Um, Discovery has, I mean they've they've given us Klingons, they've given us Ferengi, they've given us Cardassians, you know. But um, again, no direct mentions. They've mentioned Picard. They have mentioned even the the prequel show right. Enterprise. Um, there's a whole station named after Captain Archer on that one, and there's a there's a beautiful scene where they reveal the station. It's probably one of my favorite early moments of right. of Discovery when they not only did they reveal that the station was named after Jonathan Archer, but they played Archer's theme song. <laughs> and I have to admit, like watching it, like the, I remember when I watched it the first time, it really you know tugged okay. the heartstrings a bit because I I wasn't expecting it, and so they were like and. Archer, they, just that's just how they did it. And here's Archer Is that a Station. Reference to the Enterprise show, music. Starship Enterprise. Yes, or, because uh, yeah. Enterprise, yeah, yeah, Star Trek Enterprise, and it's Captain. He's the he's the first captain of the ship named right. Enterprise, and he is Captain Jonathan gotcha. Archer. And so then they have now here in the because the because uh, uh, Discovery goes to the thirty right. second century. And so here they are in the 32nd century, and they're rediscovering what it means to be Starfleet. And what better way to do that than with the man who kind of pioneered exploration with Archer Station, gotcha. Archer Space Station. And then his theme song uh. played briefly. And I was like, oh, oh, oh God. <laughs> I was like, I wasn't expecting. Like, it was great you called right. it Archer Station, but this, to hear yeah. the theme. Musical cues, man. Chef's Musical kiss, man. Cues. Chef's kiss, man. They, they nailed yeah. it on that one. And then, of course, there have been plenty of references to the original series. Spock, Spock has even appeared right. on the show, um, you know, he heavily in, in season two, you know. So, again, they've done all the other shows. There's even a feature of the next, 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 next generation Voyager um, it oh, makes wow. an appearance on okay. Discovery. So I'm like, okay, can I get, I don't know, uh, something Deep Space Nine-ish, <laughs> name something? You know, they, they do name a ship after Nog, so we know that Nog has significance there. The USS Nog is, is there. Get <laughs> us um, some Jake Cisco. Come on. But, um, yeah, right. Yeah, where's Jake? Where's Ben? Where's. Uh, yeah, and then I feel like another glaring mistake was there's a 
there's a trill on Discovery. Right. And uh, this is the trill from that's in the future, the 32nd century. And I was like, guys, call it Dax. Let it be Dax. Yeah. That would be great that it's Dax still alive and kicking and in the 32nd it? century. Was it Dax? Uh. No. This, this, this symbiote is named Tal. T-A-L. So I was just like, really? Jodzia for us? Really? No, right. Like you couldn't, you couldn't throw me a bone and say that this was the Dax symbiote still going. <laughs> with, with that with look you. he just I gave was... me, guys, was hilarious. It was great. <laughs> Wish you could have seen it. <laughs> it's, it's the exact look I had when they revealed that it was Tau yeah. and not Dax. And I was just, I, I remember I paused the episode. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to finish this. I yeah. was that upset. So I was like, that's all you need to say. It was Dax. I don't need you to show me Terry Farrell. Yeah. Just say it's Dax. Right. And I would have been happy. Nope. But you didn't do it. Yeah. You didn't do it. That would be, yeah, it would make sense. So, I mean, that's the whole point of the trill is that they live a long time. And actually, while, while we're, while we're on it real yeah. quick, do, what is the expected lifetime of the symbiotes? Like if, we, if, if Dax the symbiote has been around for at least 300 years in our current timeline, um, do we know? Has it really been said how long trills are? It's, it's right. never been said. It's never been said that it's basically as long as there is a host for the symbiont, the symbiont can gotcha. continue. Oh, and by the way, this reminds me. Uh, so I know this is a little bit farther. Uh, the episode about Dax, uh, which was the fourth episode of this season. I, I have a theory now about how the trill works. You tell me if I'm right. I am assuming that the way that the symbiont works is they basically become the memory part of the brain for the host. Because in that episode, um, Dax remembers everything that happens to whatever the other guy's name is, who briefly Curzon, Curzon. No, no, not Curzon. No, uh, the, the guy who steals Dax from her. Yeah. Varad, oh, Varad. He can't remember anything that happens at the end of the episode, but she can. So my, the way I'm thinking about Trill now is that the, the, the symbiote becomes like the memory part of the brain for the host. And then all of the personality, like the free frontal cortex and everything else about the actual personality and the personage and the active, like moving of the muscles, like all of those parts of the brain, basically kind of stay and maybe even fill in the parts where the memory part of the brain was as the trill becomes a, a whole person, a whole creature. Um, am I, um, I think that that makes a lot of sense. Um, I think that that will, you should keep that. Sure. Keep that in mind because there are some other Dax episodes that come up and there's one in particular that I find very interesting, especially when trying to figure out exactly what the symbiont does there is there's one episode that really kind of explores that right. heavily and i think what you said will will make a lot more sense once you okay watch cool episode. looking forward to that okay man we've almost hit 30 minutes I, I, here I think recording extra content i was man. gonna say I, you know, <laughs> and I, I think that episode i think that episode is in season three. okay so pretty soon this is season okay. three so we're, gotcha. we're getting there we're about we're getting there it's three, We're about a third three of the way through season two if there are, what, 24 episodes? So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, since we have the moment, how are you liking it so far? How are you How are you en enjoying what we've seen so far for, for season one and so far season two of Deep Space Nine, especially in comparison to gotcha. next year? Yeah. Um, again, I would still say I really would love for the crew to gel more. I still think we're not quite getting that gelled crew. But we're definitely getting fully fleshed characters. Um, our standouts, Quark, um, uh, Odo in this episode, 
Um, Kira, 100%. I mean, Kira is probably the hands down just best of, of outside of Quark, because Quark is kind of his own thing. Kira is the one who really has single-handedly gotten all the best episodes, again, excluding right. Quark. Um, so I, I still feel like we haven't quite got that yet, but if I have to sacrifice the uh, the gelled crew working together as a cohesive unit in favor of a unit that really heavily focuses on characters, this was a great version of that. And uh, yeah. yeah, man, it was it's a real good one. Yeah. I would agree, and I also feel like we haven't yet learned enough about mm. Cisco. Yeah. And I, I do um I feel like that's yeah. important because there's a lot to the character that also was influenced by the actor Avery Brooks. And I can't wait for us to get into finally really being able to talk sure. about a lot of that. And we don't really get there until we start to see certain changes in the character, which unfortunately don't really come until like season three, mm. season four. So right. we're getting there. We're yeah. getting closer, but that's kind of why I've held off a little bit on um, kind of doing my, the deep dive I right. really want to do gotcha. on his character because there's just, they just haven't given us enough yet for the things that right. I want to say about him to really make sense. And also to talk about why I feel like he is um, so important uh, not just for Star Trek, but also just culturally. Like again, I when we started this podcast, I said I was going to talk a lot about you know the '90s and the cultural reference and the significance of certain right. characters and stuff for that time period and being seen right. on TV. And we really haven't gotten into a lot of that yet. We've touched on some things like again, Cisco portraying himself as the the father figure. I mean, well, not the father figure, but the father that he is for raising his uh -huh. young son. We have gotten into some of that, but we haven't really gotten the opportunity to talk about why that is so significant both right. then and right. now, especially mm -hmm. now. Um, but that that is definitely right. coming. Okay. Yeah, so, I guess the other, yeah. other thing is where Picard, with the character Picard and Patrick Stewart as an actor, the TNG cast was always orbiting that character and Patrick Stewart. And Cisco doesn't quite have that. The, the show has not given him that same central position, which makes it a different show. So that means it can branch out in different ways and be a different show. But I think that the character in comparison to, to Picard right now is kind of suffering in, in, in a direct comparison, um, which yeah. I, it's like – I know he's a great character. We've seen him be great. So I want him to step up. And I'm glad to hear that we're going to get that at some point. But yeah. yeah. And I'm going to say that I'm going to say that that whole, you know, the way that the other characters, like you said, orbited uh, Picard. I feel like that will never happen with Cisco. And I'm just yeah. going to throw that out there and maybe you can watch it and you can tell me if you feel like they do finally right. get to that point. But to me, it never happens. And that's actually okay. a good thing because what we see of Picard, especially through Next Generation, is he has a very, despite the, the protestations that Starfleet is not a military right. operation, Picard very much has a military right. bearing. And he keeps uh, a hard right. distance between his yeah. officers. And so there is kind of this esteemed expectation. Everybody's looking up to him. They want to impress him. They want him to be right. proud of them. You know, but Cisco is way more right. hands-on he's way more detailed with them and he he i don't think he will he ever gets to that status of them kind of wanting him to be proud of them in the same way that that Picard is a does. great way to point different. it out yeah Picard is like the daddy of the enterprise and 
Cisco hasn't got there, and from what you're describing, it doesn't sound like that's where his character is going to go. Um, I mean, really, quite literally, um, Jake is Cisco's son, but that's a that's a unique relationship for them. Whereas on um, mm-hmm. TNG, we had um, uh, Crusher, um, um, Wesley. Yeah, you Wesley go. and yeah, Wesley Beverly. Crusher was looking to Picard as like a father figure, but he also looks up to Riker as a father figure at times and to Jordy and to not data nearly as much, but, and, and Picard really, you know, he distanced himself from that role. It was clear that it made yes. him very uncomfortable. He liked Wesley and he liked trying to right. help Wesley, but he was never comfortable with getting close enough that there ever could have been an assumption of there being any kind of father son, right paternalistic feelings right. between them. Whereas Cisco fully right. embraces it. A hundred percent embraces it. I mean, obviously it's his son. So of course he's going to, right. you know, but he does that even more with the officers. Like we'll, again, spoiler, we see him with, you know, the way that he talks with, with Dax, with O'Brien, with all the other officers that come through Bashir, even, you know, how he kind of like likes to joke with them and prod them a little bit. He invites them into his, quarters right. regularly he's the, that's the kind of person he's a, he's much more accessible right. than picard right. ever was and i think that's why we'll never really see him get to that level of everybody's kind of like admiring him for that kind of standoffish always in control uh kind of individual but they obviously admire him for the fact that he's he's a very strong right. capable leader who understands his people and um yeah works them well yeah I, uh... Cisco doesn't parent uh, um, Kira. He makes clear no. that they are on some level equals, not in the sense of like he's still a superior officer, yeah. but he he his relationship with Kira is different than Picard's relationship with the rest of the TNG cast, and it it stands out yeah. and makes again for a totally different character. But again. At the moment, that means that the character kind of steps back. Cisco is a is a character that's kind of stepped mm-hmm. back, and uh, therefore doesn't get as much screen time and as much. Again, he's not the one that everything is orbiting around um, at the moment. But hey, you know, if it was the it was if it was a copy paste, that would be a problem too. So let's uh, let's go a different direction and have success in in our new direction. So yeah. Well, I think that we're going to need to stop here because otherwise it's going to be yeah. a whole other hour and we're going to just, you know, we can right. obviously keep going. You and I will keep going after um, we stop recording as but, it is. We'll talk about uh, all kinds of things I mean, when we're done. <laughs> we, try, I try, we try our best. Honestly, people, we, we do try our best not to, but um, we love we, we love yeah. talking about this stuff and we always have good conversations. Right. So it's just like, yeah. why not? We bounce, uh, a bunch um, off, bounce stuff off each other all the yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But we're going to end this now. This will be like kind of a special release. Will we do more of these? I don't know. Possibly. You'll have to stay tuned. And hopefully you enjoyed this one. So if we get, you know, heck, if you give us enough feedback, maybe we will do more of these. But At um, your own peril. Until then. Yeah, yeah, definitely at your own peril. Because I cannot guarantee that I won't be drinking during these. I, I, I won't. I won't during our regular traditional right. broadcast, but this is like, you know, the fire case yeah. after dark. So Don't I can be. do whatever I want on this one. <laughs> so, hey, there's a, that's yeah. a whole other show, the fire case after dark. Right? So, um, but until next time, again, I'll just say, find us on 
Twitter, Facebook, Spotify, all the things, and um, take care of yourselves. Thanks, we'll guys. See you next time.